You're listening to the China Current with me, James Chow. The last podcast we put out was a while back. It was with Fatima Bhutto, the Pakistani writer and poet, with a very moving conversation about the impact and trauma of colonialism. You can listen to my interview with Fatima in our archives or on whichever podcast provider you're using now. A lot has happened, and a lot is sitting on my heart and mind. Of course, the world changes all the time, but it seems the recent shifts have been particularly unsettling, and sadly more familiar given this turbulent year. But let's try and look forward, and let's do that now with Mary Robinson. I first interviewed her in Dublin, where she lives, in 2014. It was a magical experience, and after we spoke, she gave me her copy of the Universal Declaration on Human Rights, a handbook of the moral do's and don'ts that she keeps in her handbag. Now she does that, she said, because when she travels, she can remind herself of the compass we should all aspire to. I've since interviewed Mary Robinson at the Paris climate negotiations at climax with the Paris Agreement, a landmark deal for the world to fight climate change once and for all. And 12 months ago, we sat down again at One Young World in London, where she renewed her thoughts on the action needed, not only as a climate justice leader, but now as a grandmother of seven grandchildren, the youngest of whom was born just a few weeks ago. Mrs. Robinson, if you're listening to this, congratulations again. We're grateful and happy for the safe arrival of Hazel Mary, especially as she's blessed with your name as her middle name. Now, for those of you who may not know, Mary Robinson is chair of the Elders, a phenomenal movement for peace and justice founded by Nelson Mandela. And before that, she was president of Ireland and UN Human Rights Commissioner. But she's also now a podcast host. Go to Mothers of Invention, a fantastic show she does with Irish comedian writer Maeve Higgins. It's a completely different side to Mary Robinson that we've never seen or heard, and it's all about climate change, what they call a man-made problem with feminist solutions. But here on the China Current, sit back, get comfortable, and thank you for listening to my conversation with Mary Robinson, the climate justice she envisions for us all, and why the commitments we made five years ago in. In Paris must be achieved by all and for all, especially in a time of COVID-19. My thanks to Mary Robinson and everyone at the Elders. Mary Robinson, welcome to the China Current. The Elders, of which you are the chair, have called on world leaders to strengthen, defend, and realize the beautiful potential. Of the multilateral system, but also to put an end to the crisis that we now face in climate change, in nuclear conflict, and also, of course, COVID nineteen.、Uh, thank you, James. It's great to see you again. And I think, on climate change, defending the multilateral system means that governments have to demonstrate that they fully back the Paris Climate Agreement and align with it. And、um, so, if China is to truly align with the goals of the Paris Agreement, this would mean committing. To、um, peak CO2 emissions in in a plateau sense over the next few years, and then commit to a meaningful decline in emissions by 2030, and then, frankly, no more new coal from 2020, and the phasing out of existing coal by 2040. And we know that that's not actually happening at the moment. China has quite a coal overcapacity, so there's a danger there of stranded assets in the future.、Um, but you know. What we need is、um, shovel-ready renewable projects, and 
um, I, I, I really do feel that uh, President Xi's recent pledge on carbon neutrality before 2060 is very, very welcome, but it is incompatible with a boom in coal over the next few years. And therefore, um, there has to be a shift to renewable energy. You've used your life to speak compellingly about the consequences of inaction on climate change. How's that going to change, if at all, now that we have COVID-19 and the global agenda has shifted because of that? Yes, uh, COVID-19 has been a terrible tragedy for millions of people around the world, young and old. It's devastating, but um, it's also brought people and nations together. And because China, you know, was the first to have the COVID and has come out of it so well and, you know, um, much earlier than others, I think China has an opportunity to lead by example in its post-COVID recovery towards renewables and away from carbon intensive projects. And that leadership will have an inspiration impact on other countries. You know, I was in Japan about a year ago, <laughs> and uh, I think in about October last year, um, and, uh, you know, there was no sign of, of, of Japan moving um, against coal. I, I was quite depressed um, to see, you know, how, uh, how rooted in coal it was and, you know, how difficult it would be. So to have that commitment made by the new prime minister, you know, is, is, is setting, and I think it was incentivized by what, uh, uh, what President Xi said. President Xi's commitment that surprised everyone at the at Unga. I don't think anybody knew he was going to do that. Um, and it, it kind of lifted people, you know, yes. You know China very well. You've worked with and for its people over many years and in your different capacities. It's a country of 1.4 billion people, so it's an unusual position with regards to climate change. It has the most to lose, on paper at least, if we irretrievably destroy our shared planet. But at the same time as it moves to the center of foreign affairs, it has a different role to play. What would you say it could do next? It's always good to have that potential of opening doors um, to a great country that um, uh, I, have, uh, I, I have a surprising fondness for um, because I met so many fantastic Chinese people and they really affected me. So it always excites me to have an opportunity to uh, get engaged with China. and. Uh, again, I come back to President Xi's announcement at the UN on carbon neutrality before 2060. That showed leadership and it does and has deserved um, praise. We now need China to follow up on its pledge to announce a more ambitious, nationally determined contribution. I also understand that China is preparing its 14th five-year plan. That will be from 2021 to 25. And the hope is this will follow a really good leadership green development path. Uh, I, I'm aware that this is very transformative, but China's leading on um, solar, it's leading on wind. It has the technologies the world will need when we want to retrofit, it has the technology. Let's talk about another step in a different direction. Uh, there's the Belt and Road Initiative. And you've spoken about this before with great passion about why this needs to be greened so that the different countries, the many countries involved in this network can lead the world on a different reset. You talked about reset long before COVID-19. What happens now that we have COVID-19? Does that still apply? 
Actually, this was one of the issues um, that we talked about across the table with President Xi, the elders, um, five of us, and President Xi and his top um, officials. And we encouraged uh, the greening of the uh, Belt and Road Initiative. Uh, this is pre-COVID, as you say. Um, it makes even more sense now. Um, in addition to China's domestic actions to reduce its emissions, it can play an important role in reducing the emissions of other countries through its energy and infrastructure investments under the Belt and Road Initiative by prioritizing renewable energy over coal power. And to realize this goal of greening the BRI, uh, China should mandate stronger standards for projects and set concrete targets for renewable energy and efficient um, industry. I remember being told, well, um, the corp companies obey the host country standards. China doesn't interfere with countries. I think China can go further than that. China can set its own standards and then companies will comply with those standards and that will give the real um, leadership. And it, it could carve out a role in wind and power um, generation uh, with the potential to, uh, as I say, multiply this capacity through the sheer breadth and ambition of the Belt and Road Initiative. Is this where it stops or do you have a sense that China could be moving in an even more ambitious direction after this start? Yeah, I, you know, there's a contradiction in, in what China's doing at the moment, in a sense, because um, it's committed now um, through President Xi's, um, uh, uh, you know, announcing at UNGA uh, uh, carbon neutrality before 2060. And I like that word before. That's good. Um, but at the, at the moment, both in China itself and in the Belt and Road Initiative, it is investing in coal. It's investing in coal internally and it's investing in coal outside. I mean, the elders met with the leadership of the China Development Bank. Um, I know that the China Development Bank is a member of the UN Global Compact because I had a lot of involvement as High Commissioner and subsequently in the UN Global Compact. Um, but it's, it, it's planning to finance coal plants, for example, five of them, I think, in Vietnam. And another company, which is part of the Global Compact, um, the China Hua Dian Corporation, um, it has plans for coal plants in Bangladesh, in Cambodia, in Serbia, in Europe, I think. Um, you know, so uh, apart from what's happening in China itself at provincial level, where there seems to be um, a kind of incentivizing, um, which probably just needs central government addressing to de-incentivize coal plants in China, which I'm sure they can do and, and hopefully will do, but also um, not to be planning and investing in coal plants in, develop in other countries that ought to be also moving to clean energy, share the technology and um, do it with clean energy. The leadership that China and the Chinese people are showing in clean energy seems to jar, as you suggested, with this dependency and we see it also being interpreted by international commentators as an environmental and as an economic misstep. Is this a case of a train moving along two tracks? Well, first of all, you know, I, I have great understanding of, you know, the difficulties of a transformative change. It's not easy. And I don't think any country should you know, throw bricks at another country because no country is doing enough as yet. 
as, I, as I've said, and as the elders would feel. And I think it's a question of, as I say, creating standards for companies, Chinese companies, um, that are working in the Belt and Road um, context, um, that require that they do it um, in a way that um, focuses on moving rapidly to renewable energy. It will be very good for China, very good for the economy of China, and happily very good for the countries in the Belt and Road. You're over in Dublin, I'm in Hong Kong, but perhaps hand in hand, we can transport ourselves to another place, Kunming in the southwest province of Yunnan, which is scheduled to host in May 2021, the UN Biodiversity Conference that seeks to create a set of targets by which nature and society can live effectively, meaningfully, side by side. Yes, I'm very excited about this, and I'm actually hoping that I can get to Kunming in May of next year, uh, because it's good that China has chosen to host the global talks to save nature in a critical year, the year when the world is due to agree the new global deal uh, to protect nature, um, something that's vital uh, for fighting climate change and also future pandemics, as we know. And so the elders really want to see a hands-on Chinese presidency um, of the uh, Convention on Biological Diversity. Um, a good outcome at Kunming will require, you know, the kind of diplomatic investment. I remember when Paris, uh, when France had the Paris Climate Agreement, you know, they really invested, uh, not just in um, France, but all over the world in saying this is a very, very important conference um, step up and you know, have a good outcome. So I think um, I've actually become part of a high-level steering group uh, committee on something called the Campaign for Nature. And the Campaign for Nature is seeking to protect 30% of the world's lands and 30% of the oceans by 2030. Now, with its huge landmass and its huge access to ocean, um, China could play a very significant role in that. It's the 3030 goal. But just as important, if not even more so, are the means of implementation and the finance package um, to achieve that. And this, again, would, would need leadership. So uh, I'd love to see China lead on the global agreement on targets, but also on implementation and finance to implement. And I think um, it would be a great step forward in this, hopefully for all countries post-COVID or more or less post-COVID next year, that we can, in fact, do what we absolutely need to do, and that is get back into harmony with nature. The Elders is this extraordinary movement for peace and justice, and it believes very much that nature and climate are the two areas in which China can help bring together countries in a very troubled time for all of us, and also to smooth out the geopolitical tensions that I think all of us are feeling mentally, especially, and also to champion multilateralism in a world of what I think seems to be increasing populism and inward thinking. Are there any last words that you would have, not only for China, but especially for the Chinese people? So we want to see China leading from the front, working with partners around the world to ensure ambitious outcomes um, that advance China's global leadership in protecting nature, but also um, doing it in a way that uh, is good for the Chinese people and good for the influence China can bring um, over the rest of the world. So leading by example, stopping domestic and foreign coal power investment, showing global ambition, peaking emissions this year in a plateau way and then a significant decline by 2030.
30 and rallying the world. Um, I, I do think a successful biodiversity COP in Kunming in May next year um, that secures um, nature for future generations would be wonderful for not just the Chinese people, but um, all these young climate activists um, who are um, seeing that uh, we're not taking our responsibilities. We need the leadership that will turn us around and do it in rapid time that China can help us with. I'm James Chow. Go to ChinaCurrent.com for videos and podcasts and stories about people you may find interesting.